I gotta catch my breath. I went up a flight of stairs. And then down a flight of stairs. Ran up a flight of stairs. To grab a cable. Then ran down a flight of stairs. To settle in so I could record this podcast. And now my pulse is surely 125. And I'm out of breath. I don't try not to move that much though. Because I think if I move my head, I'm sitting on a couch... I think rustling comes into play. Also, if I move the microphone too much, it'll probably rustle a bit. Uh, What an episode this is going to be. How's that for a sell? Stay tuned, because this is going to be a piece of shit. Actually, I don't think that's going to be the case at all. You're going to be in for a real treat. It's Greg, solo, and this is... Welcome to One Topic. My name is Greg Russ. It's just me tonight. Or today. Or this week. This morning. Afternoon. Whenever the hell you're listening to the episode. Currently, it is nighttime. 10.35 to be exact. And I mean exact. The second hand just ticked on the 12th. Looking at my $45 Timex. It's a great watch. It's a wonderful watch. There's no need for it. Here's the thing with watches. Let me tell you. You want to talk about watches? You're talking to the right guy. This guy knows watches. All the people who actually know watches are rolling their eyes at this point. I was just going to say. I wasn't really going to say anything profound other than. I've been looking at nicer watches meaning entry-level automatic watches, $1,000. We're not talking about Rolexes, Omegas, things that cost uh, multiple thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, nothing like that. But I, I think, and not that I would wear a watch to impress another person, but nobody else really notices except for watch nerds. I get so many compliments on the Timex, the $45 Timex. And I have a feeling if I switched watches, I would get the same number of compliments, maybe less compliments. Most people don't care. You know what we get a lot of compliments? A calculator watch. I think a calculator watch, you throw that thing on for $20, a Casio, and people, it's, oh, wow, cool. Look at that. He's got one of those calculator watches. So if you're in the business of wearing a watch because you want attention or you want it to be flashy or a showpiece, yes, there are some people who will glance and say, ooh, that guy's got a really nice watch. But for the most part, people don't know. People don't care. I think it's the same thing with with jewelry. You get the jewels that are fake. The, the fake diamond, what is that thing called? The zirconia, cubic zirconia, is that correct? I don't have time to look it up. Um, who cares, ultimately? Who cares? If you want to resell it, sure. If you're lying to people and pretending it's a big old diamond, and they find out that it's not, then surely they're going to give you shit about it. That's to be expected, though. I read a study that people find greater pleasure in others' failure than their own success. So if you're one of these people, look at my diamond. Look how giant that rock is. And then word gets out that it's a a fake then yeah, of course, people are going to really like that. It's going to be a lot of glee that is handed out. 
by you to the rest of the world. Here's the glee. Laugh at me. It's a good rhyme. All right, I'm trying to catch my breath still. It's been minutes, but I'm still out of breath. Maybe part of it is me being nervous having to do the show alone again. Autumn, for whatever reason, can't record tonight. I think her friend is in town. And, you know, taking an hour when the friend is in town, it's a big no-no. There's no time for such a thing. I'm at my parents. I'm here at my parents in the basement recording a podcast, which I think is fitting. I think this is what it's supposed to be. A middle-aged white dude in his parents' basement recording a podcast. That is where podcasting was born. And I know I hit on this quite often, and especially when I do the show alone, even though I think there was only one other episode, talking about how my thoughts really don't mean anything. Why am I doing this in the first place? Who the hell do I think I am? That whole train of thought surely comes into play. Uh, always, anytime I'm doing this. But when you're you're alone, it seeps into your brain. But yeah, a lot of people do think that they have things to say. The world just hasn't noticed me yet, but they will soon. And I'm going to do it. Hey, look, if you're using a podcast as the means to be seen and heard by the world, good for you. I think that is one of the best, healthiest ways to go about it because there are so many other avenues that you could go down because you can't accept that you're a loser. And so you need to leave some kind of calling card. Do the podcast. Do hours of podcasts. Ramble on and on. Stay in that basement. Leave the world alone. Please. So I think... Yeah, I think my breathing... Look, if I think about it, it's going to get off again. The breathing rhythms are going to fall out of line. See, look, this is exactly what's happening. I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about it. And they're, it's all falling apart. And this happens at work with me. This is, I get nervous still to this day when I have to talk to sometimes just one other person. One other person in a conversation that holds little weight, just the, the teeniest bit of weight. What if I don't do good? What if the conversation falls apart and I, I'm exposed as the fraud I am? So it really gets going and the breathing falls off. And if it's a meeting with several people, uh, not to mention tens of people, God forbid, I enter this zone where I the only thing I'm thinking about in my head the thought is, hold it together, hold it together while my breathing is causing me to run out of breath. I have no clue what I'm saying. So words are coming out of my mouth because I have to continue to speak, but my conscious thought is focused on just keeping it together and not getting to a point where I completely stop talking because I've lost all train of thought. I have no idea where I am. That's that's where I don't want to go. So in those instances, the only thing that matters, the most important thing is to not get to that point. There was a time when I first started in radio uh, that that happened. So a, a few times, actually, 
being on the air live. So I went, I, when I first started in radio on the air, a station called 96.7 The Buzz, that was voice tracked. It was pre-recorded. And pre-recording meant you could just redo the breaks over and over and over. And sometimes I would. Sometimes recording a five-hour show, which you're not, you know, on a music station, you're not talking for five hours. At most, if you add up all the breaks, all the talk time, you're probably talking seven minutes. It would take me hours. Sometimes it would take five hours to record a five-hour show that only had seven minutes of talk time because I was overthinking and I wanted to redo things and I wanted them to be perfect. But when I made the switch to 99X and I was live on the air, you can find yourself. If, if you allow your brain to slip to the point where you realize that what you are saying is going out over the airwaves in real time, being transmitted to a whole city, and people are listening, that can really get to you. And there were several times I just completely froze up. And I don't, I don't even remember what I did. I know... I'll tell you one instance. There's one instance I remember that I just stopped talking. Probably 10 seconds went by and I pretended a bird landed outside the window and that it distracted me. There was no bird. There was a window. I don't think there was any place for the bird to perch outside of that window. Yet that was my excuse. Coming off as adult an easily distracted buffoon where a bird outside of a window. Look, I, I guess it's better. Uh, there's some self-preservation going on. It's better than being the, the, the buffoon who can't do the job he was hired to do because he's scared. So, so I think uh, quick thinking and I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that choice. I think it was probably the best path that I had in that instant this show i know one topic being one topic what is today's topic going to be you may be asking uh hold the baby is what i was thinking the episode title is going to be hold the baby hold the baby and the reason for that is i came to atlanta because my youngest sister had her first baby and I wanted to come. It's a big deal. Look, it's a big deal. Even though there are billions of babies born in the history of time, <laughs> I wanted to exaggerate and say any given day a billion babies are born. But obviously with the world population of seven and a half billion, fast approaching eight and beyond, growing exponentially where we devour the planet's resources and food, and at some point, the overpopulation makes life miserable across the board for every single person. Uh, our fate, our wonderful fate awaits us. But being that there are so many people, you know, it's a pretty common occurrence, but it's also special and unique. And I, I do get, I understand that it's still you know, miracle is taking it a bit too far for me, though I, I can get on board with why people view child growth and birth as a miracle because it is it's strange that's what i would put it strange as fuck two cells come together and it triggers this chain of events where a being grows inside and then comes outside of your body to continue its growth and to live a life filled filled with neurosis 
and anxiety. Yeah, strange. If you want to call that a miracle, so be it. Pretty strange. But I, I wanted to come down, be supportive. You know, as a brother that quite often has been absent, <laughs> disappeared, doing my own thing. Like if we think, if we talk about my immediate family, I have two younger sisters and my parents. They all live within twelve minutes of each other, and my other sister has three kids at this point. So they're all plugged into the matrix. They they've done what they are supposed to do. I live. And the house that I purchased had a baby, had some babies plugged into the matrix, doing exactly what's expected of me. And then I'm the outlier who ran away to New York City, where I still get, when you, when you, when are you moving back? You coming back? You moving back? Look, it's been 15 years, 15 years. Maybe I do move back at some point in my life, but it, it, it ain't like you thought it was going to be. Where at first, when I first moved to New York, oh, this is just a phase. This is a phase that he's in. And when this is done, uh, he'll be back. Uh, I give it a year. And then a year passes. Well, maybe it's two or three years. Two or three years pass. I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. Yeah, that's what people fall into that line of thinking. I <laughs> throw their hands in the air. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I have no clue. But maybe he'll come back. At this point, I don't know if I'm going to come back. It remains to be seen. New York's one of those places that if you're done with it, I think you just know that you are done with it. The feeling is, fuck this place. I am done with it. It's not wavering. It's not confusion. I don't know. Is my time up? You just know. I want to get as far away as I can. See ya. Goodbye. But, you know, quite often being separate, I think the, the, the separation, the physical distance was representative of how I felt plugging in uh, with my family who was plugged in to the matrix. It's like, I don't, you don't get what I'm doing. I get what you're doing, but it's not what I want to do. And instead of giving anyone a chance to understand or hear me out, I just made the choice that. You don't get it, and you'll never get it. And then I left. So you know, there's reconciliation going on on my behalf, trying to be a, a good son and brother. And using the term reconciliation, which is usually reserved for real falling outs, there was nothing ever like that. But I, I, I think about people have very close relationships with their siblings. And I don't. I just, I just never really have, and it's not too late, I don't think, to start, so uh, that's been in motion a bit. Anyway, I'm here, the baby's been born, I'm going to come see the baby, it is a big deal, I'm excited, uh, being an uncle already of two nephews and a niece with my other sister, I, you know, I enjoy it, and being an uncle is cool because you don't have much responsibility. You can win the kids over with candy and cookies and acting dumb and making weird noises. They like you. Then they start to act up and you walk away and you let the other adults deal with it. You say, you know what? This is, this is your deal now. This is not my deal. This is your problem. I'm going to go sit in the corner. I'm going to go watch some TV. I'm going to go take a nap. And I'm going to come back when things are normal. 
And, you know, at some point when the kids get older and the noises don't work on them anymore uh, and the candy, uh, they see through it, you have to up your game a bit. But, uh, you know, that's the other thing I've got with New York. The, the cool, weird uncle in New York. Send them up on a plane. I'll show them around. It'll blow their minds. I'll have some cool trivia to pull out of my uh, back pocket. Talk about the different subway lines and the history of how they all came together, even though they were run separately as independent lines to begin with. And we can talk about the most basic of architecture, though a kid who doesn't know anything about architecture will think, oh, wow, I've never even thought of architecture. That is simply amazing. Whereas to other people, they'd say, no shit, dude, the Chrysler buildings are deco. Congratulations. You want a pat on the back for sharing that information? Yeah, more like a punch in the face. Great. Here. Christ, their buildings are deco. Can you believe this guy? But it's a nice duty. It's a nice thing. I enjoy teaching a bit. I don't want it to be uh, totally my responsibility. I would like to teach the things in the world that are interesting. Trivia. It really does come down to trivia. These are the few things. Here's just cool, cool stuff to think about. Here's a different way of viewing the world. And maybe even doling out some advice at times. Oh, you're having problems in your dating life? Come talk to me. I'll tell you how it's done. I'm the person who had 13 relationships. But I figured it out. I got it together. So uh, I actually think that is a good model showing that it can be difficult because we're fed this idea that a relationship, you jump in, you just do it. Here it is. Nobody teaches you anything about it. There's no talk of how dynamics could be different or people could want different things and that you should probably have the conversation. Sure. I know that's probably common sense. Like a lot of people listening is like, no shit. That's what you're supposed to do and figure these things out. But it took me a long time. All right. I thought I would just plug into a relationship and it would work magically. I'd say, oh, look at this here. Well, because it's meant to be that this is what's crazy about it. Actually, it's that uh, that somewhere inside a person who does not believe in fate in the least thought that it's meant to be was, was something that would present itself to me. And when it was meant to be everything would just magically happen the way it should. And even though there would be problems because I didn't think things would be perfect, uh, they would be easily navigable. Like it, I would just know suddenly, yes, of course, but here's how we're going to get through that. So what a ridiculous fantasy I was living in for a bit, but they see, this is the lesson that I would teach as an uncle. I would tell this exact story and the kids eyes would be glazed over, but somewhere, some of the information would have seeped into their brain, found a little corner to take root. And then when, when it was time, they would remember it and maybe apply some of the valuable lessons that came from it. I'm going to write a book. Uncle tells all. No, that's too creepy because you got that stigma attached to uncle because there's just 
creepy fucking dudes in all corners of the world in all roles but for whatever reason it's it's always high profile when they're uncles and they're creepy and then they give a bad name to uncles all around so thanks dude thanks a lot uh, going back though okay so what was i saying before i take the responsibilities seriously uh, i'm i'm excited for my sister I want to visit my family. There's a big gathering where extended family's coming over and we're going to have a meal and I'm going to engage for once and actually have conversations with people instead of just saying, it's fine. Everything's fine. That's fine. I'm fine. It's feeling fine. She's fine. Works fine. And really engage and discuss things. And this is a process that I would like to continue, but I have to have it in small doses. So I come and I visit for a day. I say hello to everyone for a day. I leave. Uh, good to see you. We'll do it again. So as I'm here, though, I'm preparing because I know, I know that holding the baby is a big thing for people for whatever reason. Hold the baby. You want to hold the baby? Why don't you want to hold the baby? If He doesn't want to hold the baby. And if you don't hold the baby, then suddenly... There's something wrong. You do not like the baby. Are you not happy for me? What is happening? Or you're just a straight up asshole. Why don't you want to hold the fucking baby? I don't, I don't, I don't feel the need to hold the baby to prove something to you. That's the problem with holding the baby. There's a lot of pressure in holding the baby. It's also very fragile like a, a vase, an heirloom of sorts. If somebody said to you, this ceramic vase belonged to my great-grandmother and she was a wonderful person and she lived to be 106, and because of that, I had time with her and we would sit together in the park and have picnics and she would bring her world-famous pasta salad and we would discuss life and what it means to be alive and what it means to be human. And when she died, she said, take my vase. And I said, yes, grandmama, the vase, I'll take good care of it. If someone's, if someone's saying this to you and then says, here, hold this vase, you're not going to hold that vase because holding that vase, there's just too much. There's too much tied to holding that vase. If Butterfingers comes out to play and you drop the vase, it's bad. It's not a good place to be. And I view the baby the same way. You drop the baby, not good. It's not good. You can be very careful, but they got those floppy heads. And so you could hold the baby, but if you're not holding the baby correctly, this is where it gets even more complicated than a vase. If you're not holding the baby correctly, it's neck, neck could snap, snap or something. I don't, I don't really know the anatomy at a young age and how it could break in half like a stale piece of slim gym, but it feels as though that's a possibility. So first and foremost, that's one of the reasons I don't want to hold the baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm yes. I'm annoying myself in saying, hold the baby so many times I realize uh, it's weighing on me. It's like, shut up. Do not say it again. Do not say, hold the baby again. 
maybe I'll just say it a different way without putting the stress points where I have them currently. But having the baby be fragile, it's it's a risk that I will take, but it's not something that I will happily do. Next on my reasons, though, that it doesn't matter is the baby doesn't know. The baby's so young, it doesn't fucking give a shit. It doesn't care that it's hold, being held by you. It doesn't care if you show up and you don't hold it. It doesn't care if you don't talk to it or look at it. Not until it gets to be a bit older and it realizes who you are. And then it has to get through that phase where it's not scared of you. Because that's the the weird part where there's some excitement, but there's also fear. I, I know this person's part of the family. I think I like them. Last time they were around, we had a decent time. I think there was a laugh or two. He was funny. But he hasn't been around. He disappears. I don't know where he goes. And now he's here again. I'm going to hide behind this chair until I know it's safe. I'm like, I feel like a cat who's going out into the world for the first time. And if he doesn't attack me in the next five to ten minutes, I think things will be okay, and then we can hang out. That's a totally different time. And at that point, you have to put in the time and effort with the nieces and nephews because it would hurt their feelings. And because you want to. But mostly because it would hurt their feelings. And there's an obligation there. You hold a lot of power. Children are... are simple creatures they don't understand that maybe you're not having a good day and you didn't want to engage with them they would think what did i do why am i not lovable and that is certainly not a path you want to set any child on so there's there's so much responsibility and that's why you have to enjoy the time when it the there's an infant the infant it doesn't care it doesn't know it doesn't even have thoughts. I'm convinced that it doesn't have thoughts. I know it has thoughts. But if you think about thoughts, what do you think? You think in language. We think in language for the most part. Obviously, a baby is going to be hungry. But similar to a dog that is also hungry, the dog knows it's hungry. So it has a thought. But it doesn't think, I am hungry. Because that's language. So what the hell does it think? And it could never even express or recall that it had those thoughts because it doesn't have the capability to do that. And in much the same manner, that is what an infant does. So there's no feelings to be hurt. And I think early on, the support is for the sibling or the friend or whoever the person who just had a child is in relation to you. You show up for them. There shouldn't be a need to hold the child. Yet, it is forced upon you. And I put up a valiant effort, I'll have you know today. I did not hold the baby for at least three hours. A lot of time passed, and I... I was asked several times. And I will let you know that one of the times I said no, and less than five minutes later, I heard a conversation across the room about, a room about how it shit, how the baby had shit in its diaper. So no regrets is what I'm saying on that front. But it is amazing how many times I was asked. And then, you know, at some point, there's got to be a snide comment. Somebody asks, are you ready? 
No, he's not, someone else says. Or he doesn't want to. Okay. Well, I don't know what you're trying to prove, and I don't know why it's hurting your feelings. Because we could have a discussion. We could have a discussion about this, and then I wouldn't have to sit in my parents' basement later and record a podcast about it. Though, I did have to do an episode of this show tonight alone. So I'm thankful that we didn't have a discussion, that there's still a bit of avoidance in our relationship, that while we are getting a bit closer these days, we're not going to go too deep, not down that road in that conversation. Thank you for not exhausting my creativity. But by the end of the night, I did for seven or eight minutes take the infant into my arms its head flopped towards my body I was worried it was suffocating itself I mean you would assume that a baby would it doesn't have the thought that it's not it can't breathe it didn't think to itself I can't breathe right now that didn't happen but somewhere reflexively uh, there's there's a reaction in the brain that says, uh-oh, this isn't good. It doesn't say that, though, because that's language again. I don't know what the hell it says, but you know what I'm trying to say. It would turn its head so it could breathe. But me being a person who's uh, unable to, incapable of grasping that that even exists and that an infant is so helpless that it would allow itself to suffocate. I was very concerned and I, I basically just stared down at it to make sure that it was breathing this whole time. I realized that I'm saying it, it's a boy. He, he, the sweet, sweet boy was breathing. And you know, when that was done, I handed the baby back and then I went inside because I was feeling a bit tired from interacting and everybody else was continuing to sit out back. And I saw uh, one of my older nephews looking at me through the window, wondering what was going on, probably feeling as though he did something wrong. So the one thing I wanted to avoid, because there was just too much going on and I did my best uh, you know, the best wasn't enough. And I still set my nephew up to be like me, ultimately a road of self doubt and self hatred. And maybe one day he will be doing his own podcast in the metaverse though, where you can be whatever you want to be. I guess, you know, that's, that is a bright future. You have the self-hatred, you have the self-doubt, enter the metaverse and just change who you are. You don't even have to be that person. Leave them behind. And then you really are plugged into the matrix. It all comes full circle. The matrix has always been with us. And it's continuing to evolve and it's continuing to grow. But I think its main purpose is to just distract us to distract us from who we actually are. And when you just do the things you're supposed to do, look, I'm not, I know that there is a lot of joy that can come out of parenting 
having a family, having the closeness. Not everyone is disgusted by it like I am. And I can accept that. And, and that's not to say those people are wrong. The times I thought those people were wrong and that I was better, it was just overcompensation. We know this. This is pop psychology. We get what that is. But within that, there's a lot of distraction going on. And it's an easy way for you to say to yourself that you've got some value because you now have a being that is dependent on you. So suddenly, you can still have the self-doubt but you got to act because if you don't act, someone's going to die. And that's such a powerful big thing that it actually pushes you forward where in a world where there isn't such a high stake, you can shut down and avoid completely. So I do think that most things in life are us trying to find ways to avoid ourselves. You plug into that matrix and one day the matrix will be like the matrix in the movie. If it's actually, you know, harvesting people for energy generation, I don't know if it's going to get to that, but I do think that the metaverse where people, once you get all the senses plugged in and you can experience it as though it's real life, goodbye to the real world. People aren't coming out. But then at that point, I guess babies probably aren't being had anymore. And then, Holding a baby will be something that people actually long for. Anyway, thanks for listening to this episode of One Topic. And we've got a hot sauce that's not really a sponsor, Hoff and Pepper. It's just Autumn's friend, Michelle, but it is a good hot sauce. So I recommend it. And if you use our promo code, One Topic, you get uh, 15% off that hot sauce. No money's coming to us for this. That's not a thing. Uh, We're just helping out a pal. So go check it out. And next week, Autumn will be back. We will be together again for another episode. Until then, goodbye.